0: Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, bobsheating.com, Ray Marine and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports app. Matt Nelson running the board back there. Joey Piber to my left. I'm Tom Nelson and on the phone, I, I tell you what, log on to theoutdoorline.com because you got to check out the blog that's coming from our next guest. Did just a great discussion, a great breakdown of what's a whole lot of information. Mark Yuasa, Communications with WDFW joining us this morning. Good morning Mark Yuasa. Morning buddy
1: morning, guys. How
0: are you
2: doing? Doing well, man. So, I mean, great blog. I it's kind of how I get my information. When you write these <laughs> blogs, I get, I run through, and it's very easy to read for guys. You know, you kind of break it down and 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 put it in, uh, you know, the form that I can digest. You know, I, I have all these forecast papers in front of me, and it's a lot of numbers and and uh, percentages, but you know. Tell, tell us what you know. What we, we have to look forward this summer.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, first to start off, I mean, the, the buzz we've been hearing is that this year is going to kind of resemble last year, and, and then you've got some added bonuses. So, I mean, guys can start looking at their calendars right now and kind of at least get an idea of, you know, if you go back and look at 2022 and say, hey, you know, July 1, this, this place opened. June 15th, this other place opened, I mean, I'd start marking your calendars right now to get excited about things. And I think the highlight this year, obviously, you know, they don't, they're they're the Rodney Dangerfield of fish, of salmon, right? They don't get the respect, but, you know, (laughs) pinks. man, (laughs) you've got almost 4 million of these guys coming back this year and, you know, okay, you know, you push your nose up, but, you know, get past that, you know, get some guys out and some kids out who are beginners. I mean, Four million fish coming back to Puget Sound. That's going to give some, some some nice, you know, added bonuses for folks to get a chance to get out there. And, and then, you know, you add in that part of that breakdown of that run, you've got, what, 820-something thousand and change of, of pinks coming back to the Green River. You know, we're going to get some – we're going to see some nice fishing in-river this year, too, on, on select rivers. So, you know, folks should be getting excited about that, start making plans. Get, get the little tikes out to go, you know, try and catch one of these. You know, the nice thing about these fish, you, you see the jumpers, you start marking them on your boat, you know, they'll bite all day long. And that's kind of the exciting part. You go out in the morning, you go for your Kings, you know, you go for your coho, you know, when things slow down, you start searching for these Kings. I mean, what, what's not to like about that, right? So what if they aren't big and you put them on ice, you, just stick them in your ice chest. You know, they cut just
0: as nice as any other fish, to be honest with you. Dude, we're past the point of looking down our nose at any wild salmon in Puget Sound. <laughs> okay, let's just throw that. But now, but, but now let's work up the food chain one step, though. Sure. <laughs> How about an additional 100,000 coho to what was a very solid silver season last year? Right.
1: And, and Tom, you and I talked about this. This was back when we went through that whole, you know, 2015 mm-hmm. drought and all this. And I remember it was on an advisor call. You, you said, hey, you know, stay tuned. We're gonna, we're gonna see things out in the ocean that are gonna start to change. Things are gonna get better. Here we are, you know, five, seven years from that time, and and we're we're reaping the benefits now. You know, we're finally seeing these cold water environments that we need out in the ocean. You know, we're getting past all those droughts and man, that's going to be some, you know, something to look at this year, you know, come late August, all through the early part of fall. And, you know, to see, you know, we're at like 760,000 for Puget Sound alone, you know, over a million out, you know, coming in towards the Columbia at the mouth. God, I mean, if there's anything to get excited about, and we'll start seeing some of these these season options next week when we have a. the first uh, Pacific Fishery Management Council meeting, and and we'll get the three ocean salmon options. I mean, I'm, you know, this is the time of the year. You just got to start getting geeked out and start looking at your calendar, and and start making plans now.
0: So yeah, so you you alluded to the meetings that are going to happen this week, and 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 they're very important. The the P F M C or Pacific Fisheries Management Council will compile the forecasts and come up with the three ocean options. And that's really the bedrock by which the rest of our seasons will will actually form. Um, it's interesting this year, Mark, because we're seeing some rebounding coho stocks on the coast that, that we're constricting to our fisheries, to our coastal fisheries this year. You know, it, like, if we want to start talking about our marine coastal areas, one through four, Waco. Uh, Westport, La Push, and Nia Bay, um, this could be a very, very special year on the ocean.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. and you know, um we, we ran full seasons last year, we did it the year before, and so you know if, if they're if they're already just you know the buzz is already talking about hey we're gonna we're gonna see something similar to last year, if not better, you know i i, I man, it's it's gonna be excitement on the coast for sure.
0: So a little bit closer to home, if if you look at the overall Chinook picture, which which you knew we were going to, this is this is no surprise to you. <laughs> we took we're, our time. We, we took our, there, I did, man. There. We, I let you talk about pinks, I let you talk about coal. We talked about the coast. But so we're looking at it, you know, overall a, a one point oh six uh we're looking at six percent more Chinook in Puget Sound than than we did last year. Um there's a couple good points. There's a couple tough points, um, but at least we're seeing an increase in in still Guamish stocks, which yep. definitely will help us craft our seasons moving forward.
1: Yeah, you're getting you're getting above that three digit to four digit numbers, and so that's that's a good sign for the Stilly. You know, it looks like things are getting better. I mean, obviously, we still have to deal with ESA on on you know a good number of stocks and Puget Sound, but. But like you had said, I mean, we've got a good hatchery number of fish coming back, and, and that's what anglers look for. You know, that's the fish we got to catch you want to keep something. But, you know, hopefully, you know, we start seeing this turnaround on even the wild fish. So, you know, it, it seems like these numbers are, are looking good. And, um, man, I, <laughs> here we go again. I mean, you know, just start looking at places, you know, start looking at the toilet bubble. That'll be the first place you want to go to, you know. Area 11, God, you know. If we get that June 1 opener this year again, you know, that, that I'll be excited. So, you know, fingers crossed. We we kind of see the numbers and, and things that come back, and and with that little blip up, like you had said, you know, we'll we'll add some more fish to the to the table.
0: So, yesterday at the forecast meeting, uh, WDFW went through a whole lot of information. Went through NOAA's stoplight chart, which talked about oceanic productivity. And then for the first time that, that I ever remember, the issue of pinniped predation was broached by the department. And typically this has been an issue where, you know, we, we everybody knows the elephant in the room is the fact that we have pinnipeds at carrying capacity that are grinding us apart with regard to our efforts to, to, to allow some of these Chinook stocks to rebound. And now the Washington Academy of Sciences Stated very strongly, yes, these 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 pinniped populations are reducing our impacts when we're trying to rebound these runs. They they are a constraint to rebuilding a lot of our salmon runs. So I thought it was a healthy sign by the department that they actually started to address. What was what were some of your takeaways from the department's presentation yesterday, and Lacey? Oh
1: yeah, I think that was a very good presentation. Um, you know, very knowledgeable people who are addressing these issues and. And hopefully we can start looking at these, you know, putting the putting it under the microscope and, and getting, you know, to deal with these kind of things, you know, up front and letting people know what the issue at hand is. So, you know, fingers crossed, you know, that things like this, you know, are are, are more in the spotlight and and that we look at it and get it addressed correctly.
2: Yeah, the conversation just has to start and has to happen. We know that this is something that's not going to happen quickly. They're going to analyze every little bit of data before no, sure. we actually do anything. But we look, man. This, all of us anglers that are out there in the water, we see
0: the issue, we see the problem. But this is also something that we are in complete agreement with the travel co-managers on, mm-hmm. and we can work together and get a win with with the co-managers. And I and I and I really, I really believe that it be a, this will be a stepping stone to that relationship. Kind of being fostered and enhanced a little bit. And, and, uh, because I mean, we, we have to work together with, 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 oh, yeah. there, I mean, the, the, the tribal governments are the only political entity that have the horsepower to hold the feds' feet to the fire with regard to holding the line on habitat enhancement, hatchery production, and a lot of other things that we need to have fisheries. And, uh, to look at it any other way is just really short sighted, Mark. All right, buddy. Well, you—I don't. Somehow, you made it through the year without jumping on the jumping on the boat. (laughs) So that—that's not going to happen two years in a row. We need to—we need—we need need to get you back on the sea beast, buddy.
1: Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Mark. We'll talk to you Later. soon. Thanks
0: for your time this morning. Later, And buddy. thanks for your blog. Go check out his blog on outdoorline.com. Did a great job. Thanks, Mark. You
1: guys have a good
0: day. Thank you. All right, we will. Coming up next, the critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning. Your family's comfort has been our family's business for over 50 years. CQ Blackmouth opened this week, but rough weather and icy road conditions kept participation down slightly. Marine Area 5 and CQ scheduled to run through April 30th is capped by 4,250 total sublegal encounter quota. Good action on the opener was produced by small orange red label herring behind a flasher. And other boats scored fish on spoons and hoochies. Don't forget that the second Saturday in March also marks the lingcod and Rockfish opener in Marine Area 2, 3, and 4. Just west of CQ. If you're out on the straits, don't forget CQ is open for salmon only and Nia Bay is open for bottom fish only on March 1. WDFW shellfish managers announced that razor clam
2: digging reopens at Milk Rock beaches Friday March 3rd followed by opportunities there on March 5th and March 7th this is in addition to capelis digs on Saturday March 4th March 6th and March 8th marine toxin levels on Long Beach and Twin Harbors are still too high for reopening But WDFW is hopeful that digging will return to one or both of those beaches before April. Clammers are reminded that the daily limit is the first 15 clams dug per person, regardless of size or condition. And each digger's clams must be kept in a separate container. Final approval of remaining tentative openings in March is dependent on marine toxin test levels results. Um, Stay tuned or hit WDFW site
0: and keep clam 2023 salmon forecast released in a meeting yesterday this season the forecast highlight will definitely be the four million pinks headed for puget sound but the real meat in a forecast is found in the chinook coho and dog details As in most years, numbers are something of a mixed bag, but Chinook and Coho numbers are up slightly overall coming into Puget Sound. The Aquamish River has been limiting stock in recent years, and so a slight uptick in e Hatchery and Wild Chinook is great news. The huge bright spot for Puget Sound is the Coho, with a bump of nearly 100,000 more than last year, up to 760,000, which may just be enough to drop some Coho fin clip restrictions and open some popular areas that have been closed for a couple seasons. While there will not be a bonus limit for pinks. Those 4 million helpies will likely keep us on the water for a few bonus days this year. If you missed Mark Yuasa's forecast segment, go hit his blog on TheOutdoorLine.com. Each year,
2: state, federal, and tribal fishery managers gather to plan the Northwest recreational and commercial salmon fisheries. This salmon season setting process is known as North of Falcon, which refers to Northern Oregon's Cape Falcon, the southern border of active management for Washington salmon stocks. Once the salmon forecasts are finalized in February, WDFW and tribal governments release initial salmon forecasts for the Columbia River, Puget Sound, and Washington Coast. Following next week's Pacific Fishery Management Council, or PFMC, meetings, the the next opportunity for the public input is March 15th in
0: Lacey. Hit the WDFW's North of Falcon page for more information. Skagit Sock opener to be announced next week. We are hoping to officially announce the Skagit Sock catch-release steelhead season, but word on the street is the announcement will come next week. The Sock from Darrington on down to the confluence and the Skagit rockboard to concrete will be open for catch-release steelheading, but don't start casting, floating, or drifting mm. until that official announcement comes next week. New
2: WDFW commissioners actually have wildlife biology backgrounds. What? A pair of retired biologists, one a tribal fisheries bio, the other, a former WDFW ungulate researcher, have been named to the Washington uh, Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission, and the term of its current chair has also been re-upped. The new members are Stephen Parker and Woodrow Woody Myers, while the current continuing member is Barbara Baker. News of these appointments had Washingtonians for Wildlife conversation, Conservation overjoyed. Mark Pigeon, president of W4WC.org, that represents a number of hunting and fishing and trapping organizations, stated, these commissioners' backgrounds are second to none and will serve well on the commission. While these commission appointments will not swing the non-consumptive majority, it's a step in the right direction. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now through the end of March, save 20% on all heat pumps and air conditioners at bobsheating.com.
0: So I got an email back, um, both from Edward Leaser this morning and also uh, earlier this week from Michael Milstein, who's the uh, NOAA uh, federal guy that's that's working on this. And uh, he assures us that his team is reviewing the plan. Um, it, the review could be completed as early next, as next week, but... They're talking about a ten-year coverage for the Skagit sock so, fishery. So, what does that mean? So, in my mind, that means they're going to set population guidelines. If we get and if we get a, a number that's over escapement, we'll be able to catch release. We won't this have fishery. to deal with this anymore, right? I mean, think. I kind of think that's it. That once the forecast <laughs> comes out, that, that we'll be able to cook cookie cut or plug that I fishery think in. We had a forecast. I I believe early in in
2: January, and if that was to have, if this all gets done and and we get our permit, uh, they get this thing knocked out, then next year we shouldn't have to deal with this. We we should be on the water
0: in February, and we we just want the ability to plan, dude. Yeah, you know, I mean, to not have fisheries occurring at the same time in the same place every year, you know, you're 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 cutting a lot of people off the water because I mean, people got to. People got to plan family stuff. People got to plan vacations. People got to get you know, out on the water. And
2: oh, well, and, and dude, we understand when the forecast is low, hey, look. I, I get we're, it. We're but not going to go get on so, these fish.
0: So, Noah and WDFW, all we want to do is go fishing. Please. That's it. We just want to go fishing. Okay? I want to blow the dust off <laughs> yeah. my, my drift <laughs> That's boat. It. We just want to go fishing. <laughs> Somebody that is fishing and has had a great winter season and also has a little British Columbia steelhead uh Anecdotal evidence is our next guest, Jason Tonelli, Pacific the coolest tackle shop in Vancouver, British Columbia. And what is happening with salmon and management just over the border in Canada? Jason's going to join us next here in the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the Renaissance Marine Group.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Wellcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats coming to us from his office at 78 East Broadway, Vancouver, British Columbia. PacificAngler.ca is the website. He is Jason Tonelli. Good morning, Jason. I've come to the conclusion that we don't have you on enough. Alright? So, so I mean, I'm counting on a just an I'm, action pack, right set. <laughs> you, <know, laughs> you always
3: say that every time, but I appreciate that.
0: All right, well, I, I, this time I mean it, though. I definitely mean it. So we got we got a chance to catch up this week, and uh, you're starting to see your summertime opportunities uh, come to fruition. You know, little forecasts are kind of starting to start to take shape. But before yeah. we kind of dive into what's going on this summer, let's talk about the the winter Chinook fishery, the winter spring fishery you've got going on right now.
3: Yeah, it's been another good year. You know, when I first started fishing for Winter Chinook in Vancouver, pushing on almost 20 years ago now, kind of felt a little bit more like steelheading. Lots of searching, looking for bait, looking for fish, and if you got a fish or two, uh, it was a good day, which is fun. I enjoy, I enjoy that aspect of it, but the last five or six years, for sure, it's there's been a major shift. And uh, we're catching a lot of fish, a lot of small fish and a lot of legal size fish. And now it's like you almost expect to go get two, three, four. And we even, you know, had days where we've limited out on um, six fish limits and stuff like that. So it's been awesome.
2: It, it seems like maybe a little better size fish this year. I mean, I've seen a bunch of picks from some guys up there. And, and, and obviously we have a few of our, our buddies who are slipping across the border and going up there and fishing. I've seen just some really, really quality fish.
3: Yeah, size is up there for sure. Um, There seems to be a lot of bait around. Um, And, you know, I mean, I've even gone back and hung out with some of the old time guys who've literally been fishing our local waters like for 50 years, just trying to get a feel for it and being, you know, like, what was it like in the 70s? Were there this many fish? Were there this many big fish? And the answer is really no. Uh, So we're we're pretty excited to see a, a lot of these fish and and some big fish, so yeah. I don't think it has a lot to do with the bait. What are you
2: seeing for bait? Is it obviously there's herring and there's candlefish, but what, are you seeing more of one or the other?
3: We're we're predominantly herring up here for sure, but uh, one of the trends that's now sort of solidified is are the anchovies. So they used to kind of mm-hmm. periodically pop up in and around Vancouver, Howe Sound. And uh, we were kind of excited when we would see them. But they've been c- here consistently now, I think I want to say, for about six years. And so depending on where we are, we're, we're going to see a mix of he- mostly herring still. But there's definitely some huge bay balls of anchovies. So we're looking forward to the fish that that produces.
0: We're talking with Jason Tinelli this morning. PacificAngler.ca is uh, his website coming out of, coming to us from Vancouver, British Columbia this morning. And, and, and Jason... You uh, you and I often talk about salmon management and how, you know, there's kind of two different strategies between British Columbia and Washington and how they don't always jibe. We've been fishing, Mark, selectively for years. So when you told me that one of the industry's responses to the draconian Chinook closures that you guys have been suffering under was the fact that DFO spent a few million bucks on some clipping trailers... And yeah. you are actually looking at a mark-selective opportunity for the first time in the history of your country in-house sound, potentially this spring.
3: Yeah, it's big news, and it's, it's definitely not a slam dunk yet. Um, of course, uh, the other user groups are actively trying to persuade the fisheries minister to not put this forward. Uh, I do think, personally, they're probably going to do it. We've been working on it for three or four years and there was a, a big shift this year. So we've been talking and pushing about mass marketing and mark selective fishery with DFL for six years. Really uh, citing the, the Washington model and Washington managers have come up and done presentations in, in Vancouver at Sports Fishing Institute banquets and stuff like that. Finally, the department came up with a position paper uh, this summer. And basically the short version of it is we're doing this, we are going to start transitioning towards mass marking of Chinook. Um, We spent a couple million bucks. We got a few more of these marking trailers from the States. What that means, when and where, what hatcheries, and when, that's what they're figuring out this year. So they probably won't even do a lot of marking this spring. It'll be mostly 2024. Um, But there are areas already with sufficient mark rates that they're um, transitioning into some what they're calling pilot mark selective fisheries. And one of the proposed ones is how Sound April 1st to the end of May for one hatchery Chinook a day, which would be huge for us because right now we're shut down for Chinook fishing April 1st, to August 31st.
0: And my excitement in this is if we can reduce the exploitation rate, and it can be demonstrated that through Mark, selective fishing taking place in British Columbia, and we can demonstrate that there's a reduced exploitation rate on some of our constraining stocks, that this not only will help us get some of these stocks recovered and bounced back, but, you know, could potentially add to our opportunity down here because, you know, I I referred to your Chinook regulations as draconian, you know, we just went through a seven day winter season in marine area 10 that's you know i mean it's just it's getting to the point where we have elk seasons that are longer than than winter yeah. fishing seasons well, right
2: and, it, and it's been a, a few years since we've seen anything in marine area seven right and or six totally you know, shut like, down
0: and you know and go back a couple of years ago we had seven days for the entire year mm-hmm. fishing in marine area seven you know and wow. and no you know nobody wants to revisit that but it was it was two years ago dude you know, but so so we're we're hoping to get some relief from some of this stuff. So what are what are some of the other bright spots? Tell us about the Fraser. We also you also mentioned to me that the Chilliwack Vetter, which is a very very popular destination for anglers from this neck of the woods, to, to pop over the border. Sounds like there's some hatchery uptick in production uh, going on in the Chilliwack Vetter.
3: Yeah, there was definitely a, a major change out in the ocean, obviously because the Fraser numbers are in. And although they have a ways to go in some areas, overall it was it's very very exciting news. Um, I'm just actually looking at a special post I did if you because I know that some of your listeners are going to want to check out these numbers. But if you go to VancouverSalmonFishing.ca, that's my saltwater guiding site, and there's something on there called the Guide Journal. As soon as you click on that, you're going to see something called. Um, like a special Chinook report, and that's where you can see the graphs for everything that I'm about to tell you because it's pretty cool. So there's been all this news about Fraser River stocks of concern, which has had a lot of regulation changes up here, but you can see all these fish, like the different age classes, so your spring 4-2, spring 5-2, summer 4-2, summer 5-2, just like vertical graphs coming on. Like here's a good example, Fraser, summer 5-2 Chinook, one of the worst brood stock years since 1975, probably about 7,000 fish, uh, 26,000 fish came back. That's So, you know, awesome. you're seeing, yeah, and if you, and the interesting thing is if you look at all these different Chinook stocks, they're all, like, here's another one, um, the Spring five twos 2s coming off of, same thing, about six or 7,000, um, second or third worst brood stock years since 1975, Back up to 22,000 fish. So, I mean, one year is not a trend, but it does appear on many of these graphs, hopefully, that we've we've bottomed out. And it wasn't just the river here or there. It's all these age classes. It's all these different life histories from the the, the Chinook that go as far as they can up the Fraser all the way down to the Chinook, that spot in the lower reaches. So that would be your Chilliwack better fish, uh, which were broodstock from the Harrison River. So those are your white springs and the Harrison mm, and then your sure. Chilliwack better fish so, so check this out so those fish have sort of been in the 50,000 per year range on the Harrison not great uh the escapement targets um, about 70 and this year we were like 83,000 you made escapement so and then big, some yeah. yeah and then some so big bump up now on top of that the better Chilliwack hatchery a couple of years back um, has gone from production of a million smalts to two million smalts. Um, the southern resident killer whales do like to eat those big fat white springs. <laughs> so they, that when it was one of the only hatcheries in BC that really had any more capacity left. So that was another issue. But they did crank up the small production. We saw the jacks coming back last, or two years ago. We saw the adults come back this past fall. And the fishing off the mouth of the Fraser was stellar because you had that bigger run on the Harrison fish and then you also had the results of the two million production versus one million so we had some pretty awesome fishing off the mouth of the Fraser last September for those white springs it was great
0: and we're hoping for another year just like this so uh, I so you, that, that's some of that information is on Vancouver and is it in the yeah. in, in the special Chinook report column
3: yeah, so that's okay. our saltwater guiding page and there's okay. something called the guide journal, which is my blog. As soon as you click on the guide journal, you'll see it right away. It's a big it's a big blue background there. It's gotcha. the special Chinook Chinook report. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and you can see all the graphs and those are all the DFO graphs and, and the the big story there is You know, right from the April, May, early time Chinook in the summer Chinook into the fall Chinook, all the numbers are way up. So that just tells you right off the hop you've had good ocean survival.
2: And a ton of good information in in there if you really want to geek out. This is the stuff you want to go look at. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, I, I know that a lot of our steelhead stocks from here all the way up to Southeast Alaska and, and, you know, that that area that you and I have spent a bunch of time in up there on the Skeena and the Kispiox, the Bulkley, all that, they've been down. What's that looking like this year?
3: Well, yeah, so so this past fall, so the fall of 22, um, was a lot better than the year before. So if anyone was up there in 21, um, the numbers coming through the test sets, Um, like the Taiyi index and stuff in the lower Skeena were like the worst ever. And anyone who was up there spay fishing or however they love to fish for steelhead, it was brutal. Uh, Last year was way better. I don't want to say above average or anything like that, but it was, it was decent fishing. So people who were out there putting in a good effort were catching fish on the Balkley and, and some of the other famous tributaries. So So that was good to see. And it kind of, I think, ties into, you know, overall ocean survival again. Like it doesn't seem to be uncommon that when the sockeye are doing well, the steelhead are doing well, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they all kind of feed offshore. Um, And you and I were talking about this the other day. So some of the Southeast Alaska sockeye returns were big. Skeena had a big return of sockeye. And then steelhead stocks were were definitely up compared to uh, off the lows. And then it seems locally like the winter steelhead fishing's been real solid too. Not sure what's going down there on the OP but It seems like a, a pretty, pretty darn good year on the on the Chilliwack guys are are having great fishing there. So
2: yeah, which is to see. which is really nice to see. Good to hear that. I I may have to make my way up there. I spent quite a bit of time up there when I was. Younger, you know, going across, and and they have a really great program there, some really beautiful hatchery fish. And then, obviously, as we move into March and April, you know, just some amazing wild steelhead in that river.
0: Okay. You know, you you called me out for not having you on more, all right? So I'm going to call you back, Jason Tonelli, okay? I, I had not seen... Uh, your your other site, the vancouversalmonfishing.ca, and there is some. Now, now I know what I'm going to do with some of my afternoon. I'm going to go through some of those Fraser charts. and The important uh, and, Chinook you know, report. That's th- 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 yeah. it. The important Chinook report from Jason. That is, right, that
2: is right up Nelly's alley. Just Trust true. me, dude. That yeah, is that speaking is, right, to, is absolute right to his heart.
0: wheelhouse stuff for me, man. There's no question about it. He's Jason, Yeah, it's
3: a good resource.
0: It is. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's going to rain and blow today anyway, so what the heck. All right. Jason Tinelli, thank you for your time. I sincerely appreciate it. Keep in touch, my friend. And and uh, any any breaking news. Let us know how that uh, how that uh, in Mark Selective uh, fishery and how sound how that shakes out too. Because again, I really think if our two countries get together and have a similar management strategy on both sides of the border, it's gonna benefit us both in the long run. Yeah,
3: it's looking good long term and uh, looking forward to updating you guys on that soon. Thanks for having me on. Jason thanks a lot, Jason. Th-
0: thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. See
3: you guys. Alright,
0: coming up next, the hottest report we heard all week of the techniques you need to succeed. It's Roe Robinson RV's Really? Where? And it's next here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app.
1: No way. You gotta be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. From the island of the ladies. Where'd you get him, man? No way. You, you
3: gotta tell me. I, I, I'm not gonna tell anybody. Ocean Red. Off? Hey, man, can you tell me where you
2: got him?
1: I'll never put on a nice check again.
2: Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where?
0: RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the entire Pacific Northwest, the all-new Roy Robinson RV Center at Smoky Point. You're going to find a complete lineup of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel Trailers, Fifth wheelers, Trailers, Pop-Ups, Campers, and so very much more. Sell or consign your RV with Ro Robinson RV. Get top dollar. Get what you need at Rowe Robinson RV. Well, we know what's going on out in CQ. We, we do. talked about that. We covered that. Um, I
2: checked in with Austin Mosier yesterday. The walleye fishing at Rufus Woods, if you're a walleye guy,
0: you got to get over you there. You know, and even if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> It, they're, they're yummy. In fact, I, it was funny. I was listening to, to Brock and Salk there down in Peoria, right? Yeah. They're actually selling walleye sandwiches on, on and at the baseball games. Really? Yeah, and they're a freaking killer. Oh. Yeah, or maybe not at the park, but somewhere somewhere down, there. Somewhere down in Peoria. They yeah. were getting walleye sandwiches, and
2: I went, dude, right well, on. When, okay. when I talked to him yesterday, they had 19 of those wow. things swimming in the, in the live well. Uh, I checked in with David Dietrich from adventureangling.com the The chum fry have arrived. Oh, so and you may and, have to get him on the show. Yeah, the the fishing down there has been killer. Yeah. He, he said, you know, all of March, all of April, is just off the hook down yeah, there. That's, so that's so uh, much. Uh, that's fun. A, that's another thing you can go do. um But for us, we would be. Heading for CQ. Yes, we yes. would be. We would it's, be. We
0: just needed to get just a little teeny bit warmer. Well, and it, there's this new it, there's this new number I see in the forecast. It, you go down around top. It looks like five, five like 50 degrees. You're going to be 50? No. 50-degree temps? I actually, this is the first week of the year that does not have anything below freezing. Don't get me wrong. Monday's 32 degrees for a low. Tuesday is, but then... Wednesday 34 and a high of 50 and partly cloudy okay then it's gonna dump back down again but I'm not seeing any more freezing temperatures in the forecast which uh you know I will take that and that's that's just here in Seattle I okay so so calm down but let's let's whatever 21 minus 4 is that's how many days we have left for till spring okay this winter will end I promise you okay and and when it does, we're going to see some some more opportunities in our year-round lakes. Well,
2: and, and looking at the forecast out in CQ2, it kind of stabilizes out there, it looks like, which should mean we're not going to see as much wind out there. Um, and guys can actually get out there and, and access some of those fish. Uh,
0: yeah, and don't access too many of them. Though, yeah, you just creeps. Yeah, just take it easy. Take it easy out there. It's a let's not blow the half a fish a rod average out, yeah. of, out of the water anytime <laughs> soon. No, but I mean we're looking forward to getting out there doing that too. And then and then don't forget we got we have a series now proposed razor clams out on the coast too. We able to get out and do that. I'll tell you what, once we get a couple decent. Rains and warm, warmer, the, the morels are going to start popping out, too. Sure. I love me some morels. So you know that, that smoked sockeye, that, those strips that I, mm-hmm. that I gave you? Okay. You know, the, the, that's just kind of payment in advance maybe for the morels that, you know, you're going to get up in your uncle's place, right?
2: Well, you know where I'm going to get them. So you know all that, that fire that we had up there about oh. Skycomish? Oh. And if guys want to get the, out and eat. You- the Bolt
0: Creek Mushroom Farm.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know that's a that's a big deal with the morels is is the the forest fire areas. Like a lot of the morel hunting I've done is in Idaho, and you go you just look at the fire map on your Onyx, and it will show you you know all the fires from last summer. You go in there, and whatever it is about that, it it, it makes those things bloom, and and uh, the morel hunting can be
0: insane. So, Bad bolt Creek Fire human-caused, kind of never got the last word on that. When would you expect that to really start producing as far as deer habitat? You knew that question was coming.
2: Oh, well, um, the deer will be in there right away. I mean, I I know guys think after a burn, it's going to be two or three years, but the deer will go right in. There's there, it exposes minerals gotcha. in the ground. You think about what happens: all that brush, mm-hmm. the, pine, the years yep. of pine needles, all that stuff, and there's minerals in that. And, and I've seen deer in there the year after a fire, right away. And there, and and here, what we have here is you have so much rain. And we're going to start to see growth quickly
0: on this side. It's not like the east side where you have fire, then really hot summer, and drought. We need to kind of put a finer point on that because you bring a great point up. Um, Washington has always not had a great reputation for antler growth on deer and elk fairly unfairly that's just because of the rainfall we have and the fact that it that it washes the minerals down into our streams and whatnot and it is it is the minerals and the salts that actually are one of the limiting factor for antler growth here in the state of Washington
2: yeah, well, if you remember the the goat issue we had on, on the oh, Olympic yeah. peninsula, right? Yeah. Th- those goats were atta- basically attacking people. <laughs> like you'd be hiking up the hill and you're sweating. And that salt, yeah, they those want the goats salt. would smell that salt. And they were, you know, we had a fatality out there due to the goat. Yeah, they... That's why they went out there and <laughs> they basically imagine? wiped you're, out the goats. You're,
0: you're, you're minding your own business. You're on a hike, okay? And this goat blindsides you off a cliff.
2: Yeah, thank you. And that was because all the minerals have been washed wow. away out there because of all the rain, yeah. and, and the goats are craving those minerals. I mean, I've had, I've been in the high country be- before, and and uh, you know you go over behind the tree and you you take a leak, and had deer come right, Lampers and I had does come right down, and they'll go right to it because the, you know they're sell- smelling the salts
0: there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's you know I mean but. It's just one of the little gifts that 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 being outside and being outdoors and chasing these animals imparts upon you. I mean, like, for for a long time, a long time ago, we we came to the conclusion that yeah, it's it's the deer and the elk and the and and the and the salmon and the halibut and the lingcod, but it's also the places that these animals force you to go sure. to seek them and 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 the things you see along the way, like and, floating down the
2: beautiful Soul Duck River and. You know, seeing rocks that have been there for a thousand years yeah. and they're not going anywhere. No. That I mean, that <laughs> river is one of those rivers that it's not going to change a whole lot no. because it's just big, huge boulders and these nice like green slots and runs. And oh, my gosh, there's.
0: There's so much steelhead water on that river. It's just incredible. And what isn't steelhead water is white water. It's fun to float yeah. through. Yeah. yeah, Salt Duck's an amazing place. So is the Skagit Sock. We should hear something about the Skagit Sock fishery this week. It would be really nice to get a rod bent on, on a Skagit steelhead this, this March. And, and, dude, I... I don't care about eating them. I just want to go fish for them. No question about it. Miss any show, jump on minearthwest.com. Download the Apple Podcast app. Matthew will have the podcast up on the Outdoor Line very, very shortly. Give us a follow on social media, at Joe Pyburn on Instagram, at The Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For Matt Nelson, for Joey Pyburn, this is Tom Nelson. This has been The Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports app.